Welcome to Regenerate You. I'm Dr. Nirvana, a board-certified and licensed naturopathic doctor. I created this podcast to share my tips and knowledge on restoring your health naturally. It's exciting to share my unique approach with you to regenerating your body from the inside out. So get ready to receive practical and effective approaches for living your best life possible in under 15 minutes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Regenerate You. I'm Dr. Nirvana, and today I'm very excited to present Jen Trepic, who is an optimal health coach, podcaster, and business coach coach for health professionals. And today she wants to discuss how she helps people burn fat without keto, which is such a breath of fresh air to, I think, so many years listening. So welcome, Jen. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you please tell us a little bit about, you know, how people burn fat without keto? What is it all about? Yeah. So it's so interesting. Burning fat as fuel is really all about properly fueling our body, supporting all of the hormones that help us burn fuel and making sure that we're never in a place of storing fat. So you did an episode and you spoke about leptin and insulin, right? A lot of these hormones that are involved in this process. So quick recap (laughs) on that. So, So leptin is the hormone that tells us when we're satisfied. Okay. When we have studies show that when we do not have sufficient leptin, obesity, right? That's associated with obesity. And so it's critical that we properly respond to leptin. So what can happen, right, similar to the way we can become insulin resistant, Mm -hmm. and that's diabetes, right, we can become leptin resistant. So those hunger signals are never turning off. Which is scary sometimes, isn't it? Exactly. (laughs) But it explains why if you've ever had that feeling of once you start eating and you just can't stop, Mm -hmm. although there was, what was that food commercial years ago? Maybe it was Pringles or something. Once you, once you pop, you can't stop. Right. You can't have just one. (laughs) Like that's actually chemical. So for all of you listening who feel like, oh, I just don't have the willpower. That's actually not it at all. There's nothing wrong with your willpower. There's nothing wrong with you as a human. You are wonderful. And it is actually chemical. So well said. Now, when you say chemical, I think that brings up a wonderful point in that. Do you think it's the chemicals in the food that the person may be eating that's triggering that? Yeah, it's definitely a combination of things. So certainly chemicals in our food have functions in the body where it turns off right? Our ability to know when we're full. Mm -hmm. The other thing that can happen is when we are eating food or what I sometimes call food-like substances, because it looks (laughs) like food, it tastes like food, but it's not actually giving our body nutrients. Mm -hmm. So what happens like when we eat, right? The whole process starts with the salivatory glands and the salivatory glands activating starts the whole digestive process. And so it signals to our whole body, our brain and every organ that it's going to get nutrients. And when those don't come, because perhaps what we're eating is food that doesn't have true vitamins and minerals and protein and 
you know, quality carbohydrates and all of these things that our body actually needs. Mm -hmm. Our body says, I didn't get what you told me was coming. So the only signal I have to give you is thirst and hunger. So I'm going to tell you I'm still hungry because I'm expecting fuel that didn't come. So, so it can be a combination of the chemicals in the food and choosing foods that are not giving our body nutrition. What an excellent, excellent explanation. And you hit on something that is actually, I think, some something that's a little bit of a pet peeve for me is you mentioned that you have to chew, right? Digestion starts <laughs> in the mouth. And there's, you know, so many people, I think that they rely on shakes or drinking their calories as opposed to, you know, eating and chewing and sitting down. And there's a lot to be said for, you know, sitting down and actually chewing your food because that's where the enzymes are released. And, yes. you know, we can start to break down. But when we are just gulping things down, that's kind of robbing, you know, some abilities, if you will, from the digestion process. Exactly. Our body, our whole GI tract, right, is designed to work. And I always say the more work a machine does, the less work our body does. Mm. So if it's a juice, right, and there's no fiber left in what we're drinking versus a smoothie where there's still a little bit of fiber, but the machine has done a lot to break that down. It means our body is doing less to break it down, which means it's released faster into our system as fuel, mm -hmm. right? That spike of fast release of fuel into our body can actually put us into a fat storage mode in the body. So when our blood sugar is too high, our body is typically storing fat because our muscles and our cells can only use so much at a time. But our fat cells are always open. And so they <laughs> store all of that extra, right? They're always fat. open for business. It's so irritating, right? Can't they just close, right? right. <laughs> Do they take off holidays? Seriously, wouldn't that be nice? Right. <laughs> um, but so – are you familiar with the old I Love Lucy episode where they're in the candy factory? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. So remember in that episode, Lucy and Ethel were supposed to wrap the candy and put it back on the conveyor belt to go to the next station. Mm -hmm. And their boss was like, if a single candy gets past you to the next station unwrapped, you're fired. Right. So when the conveyor belt was coming at a nice, even pace – they were able to do what they needed to do. They could wrap the candy, put it back on the conveyor belt for the next station. When the conveyor belt sped up, they couldn't keep up. They shoved candy and chocolates like everywhere in their pockets, in their mouth, like anywhere they could find so that an unwrapped candy did not get to the next station. Our body kind of works the same way. So when fuel comes at a nice, even pace, there's an even release of insulin. There's our muscles and our cells can use that fuel for energy. But when we speed up that conveyor belt, either through choosing high glycemic impact foods, like we get to the restaurant and we start with the bread basket, mm -hmm. or as you said, we drink all of our calories instead of chewing them. Mm -hmm. It's a fast release into our system. The body then overproduces insulin. Our muscles and our cells can only use so much. And our fat cells hold all of the extra 
in addition to all of that extra insulin. So it's sort of a double whammy, (laughs) right? Right. When our blood sugar is too high, we're storing fat. And the opposite extreme, when our blood sugar is too low, we're storing fat. I would love for you to share more about that because I don't think it's a topic that's discussed as much. Yeah. So when we don't have fuel, when we go for long periods without eating, and I see this a lot, we get busy, uh, you know, maybe breakfast doesn't happen and then lunch is super late. Or a lot of times with men, they don't eat all day and then they have a big dinner, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. When food doesn't come for extended periods of time, it signals to the body that it's a time of famine. And in caveman era, (laughs) right, (laughs) we stored fat. Fat is fuel to be used later on. And so what happens in a time of famine is that a lot of things shut down for survival. And the next time our body gets food, it says, I don't know when the next time I'm going to, like the next time I'm going to get fuel. So I'm going to hold on to this and only use a little bit of it. And I'm going to hold on to it so that I can make sure I can survive. Our body doesn't realize that there's potentially a refrigerator full of food that we're choosing not to eat. And so we want to make sure, again, that we're evenly fueling our body so that we're not pushing our body into those fat storage zones. And where do you feel that intermittent fasting plays into this or does it from your opinion? Yeah, great question. So intermittent fasting can be fantastic and it's very much person to person. And it also depends on what hours you're going without fuel. One of the things that I always remind everybody is that the first meal of the day is called what? Breaking your fast. Breakfast, exactly. (laughs) Breakfast is break fast. So if our fast is from a couple hours before bed, through breakfast the next day. It's essentially intermittent fasting Mm -hmm. (laughs) done the way our bodies were designed to be. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when we're going significant time during the day without fuel, we're pushing our body into these fat storage zones. It has an impact on leptin production, Mm -hmm. right? Which forces us, I was actually just uh, working through some information from the National Institute of of Health about leptin Mm -hmm. and what they see um, in people with insufficient leptin levels and leptin insensitivity, right? Just like insulin insensitivity. And that creates excessive fat and obesity, right? There's a a direct connection there. Mm -hmm. So with intermittent fasting, we want to be careful about what hours we're going without food, what part of the day that is, what's required of us. And especially I, as a general rule, I like intermittent fasting better for men than for women. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the thing to consider too, is that there's a lot of stuff that happens and stuff is a very technical term, right? There's a lot of stuff that happens at night while we sleep. And if we're not giving our body the building blocks to do what it needs to do, we're sort of adding insult to injury. So for example, like human growth hormone is produced mostly at night. If we're not giving our body the building blocks, 
you know, during the day and before we go to sleep, it's not going to function properly. Our body's not going to be able to produce it properly. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, hormones in the body are cascades, right? We throw one thing off and it's a whole snowball. So I think intermittent fasting is something that we don't necessarily want to do willy nilly, (laughs) you know, um, And for some people, it can be tremendous. For others, it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And and just thinking about it more technically. I don't like to give like a general hard and fast rule. Sure. (laughs) You know, as much as, as you know, as much as we are all so similar, right? We're also so different in, in nuances. And those nuances can have, you know, big implications. Right. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of perimenopausal, menopausal women incorporate, mm-hmm. you know, 16 hours plus of intermittent fasting. And these ladies have adrenal fatigue and insulin yep. resistance. And so they're putting the pedal to the metal and their gas gauge is empty. Exactly. And it's one of those things where, again, we're just sort of exacerbating an issue. And I think the idea, part of my challenge across the board in the diet industry and all of these fads and the things that we think about is that we tend to get sound bites mm-hmm. and then we apply it to our lives mm, based yes. on a sound bite, right? Like there's, there's good science boiled into a sound bite that gives you a piece of the information. Right. And then we start to make decisions with just that small piece of the information. Mm-hmm. And so, especially for a lot of us, it's almost like that intermittent fasting mentality fits into the old calories in, calories out idea. And I see a lot of people putting those things together. And that's not actually how the body works. Mm-hmm. Well said. So true. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, if only it were so simple as to say, you know, eat less and move more. Right. But the, again, it's not like we can go work out and say, okay, body, work off that Kit Kat. You know, <laughs> like it doesn't work, <laughs> you know? So we, we have to think about it more in terms of instead of calories in, calories out, I like to tell everybody quality in, quality out get up and move more. Especially in fresh air, no? Oh, please. Yes. Yes. (laughs) As as much as possible. Yes. Fresh air, especially now that we're all home so much more than we used to be. Mm -hmm. You know, getting that fresh air and some sunshine when you can. All of those things are tremendously helpful, both mentally and physically. That's so true. It does wonders for our soul. When our soul is happy, our body's happy. Absolutely. So can you uh, give us a bit of a summary then of what it looks like if if someone comes to you and says, you know what, I really want to focus on weight loss and I've tried keto, it didn't work for me for whatever mm-hmm. reason, or I don't want to do keto, then what? Yeah. So, and here's one of my things, I just want to say this about keto is that it is absolutely unforgiving. Right. The idea of ketosis or putting our body into ketosis is burning fat as fuel, but it does not allow any room for error. 
Like I joke that if we breathe wrong, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it knocks us out of ketosis and we're starting all over. But that's not, that's a great point, actually, because it's true. Breathing actually can <laughs> exacerbate it or not. You're right. exactly right. And these are the, the little points that people, I think, are unfamiliar with. And it's wonderful to share with the listeners. Yeah. So that's why I'm so excited that we're talking about this because so here's your alternative, right? What we can do is eat, and I'll, I'll give the guidelines in a second, but eat so that we're never pushing ourselves into high blood sugar or low blood sugar, into those fat storage modes. We're always eating to keep our blood sugar levels even mm-hmm. in the middle zone where we're never storing fat. And then when we're consistent with that, two things happen. One is our body will realize that it's never a time of famine and it will release those fat stores because it doesn't need them anymore. And two, when we're consistent, our body is better equipped to handle the occasional spike. So you do get to have your holiday and your birthday, and it doesn't necessarily have the same impact on your weight or your health as it might right now in this moment. So the guideline for that, if you're taking notes, get, you know, notes app on your phone or a pen, protein and fiber at every meal makes removing fat no big deal. I love it. (laughs) So protein and fiber at every meal makes removing fat no big deal. So protein is clean, lean protein. And that's up to you if it's plant-based or animal or, you know, you make those decisions. But protein, clean, lean protein. Fiber is vegetables and sometimes fruit. A meal is any and every time we eat, the only difference between a meal and a snack is how much food we eat at a time. Well said. I like that. Yeah. So that's your cheat sheet. And when you do that consistently, we're never storing fat. And our body will realize it doesn't need those fat stores that it's been holding on to. And so does that mean that a person is consistently eating every maybe couple of hours? Yeah. I mean, again, it it depends on your life and how much you're eating. But generally, I would say a meal is going to last you somewhere four to five-ish hours, maybe six, you know, depending. And a snack is probably going to last you like one to two hours, again, depending on how much you have. So what happens with those people that, you know, they're, they have become leptin resistance and they're not getting the proper hunger signals and you want to start them on this journey. How does that work? Yeah. So sometimes by starting to eat and starting to pay attention to how our body feels, our body can, uh, start to sensitize again to it. There are also supplements like, um, an ingredients like white kidney bean extract. And there's an ingredient called leptocor that's been scientifically studied um, to help our body rehabilitate that leptin response. And it's the kind of thing where you don't need to take these things forever, <laughs> right? And when you go off of them, it's not like all of a sudden you blow up because that's not how it works. It's designed to rehabilitate so that our body learns to function properly. There are one of the things that I was just listening to from the National Institute of Health was actually looking at 
leptin supplementation itself as a therapeutic measure. And that is something in certain circumstances, it might be necessary. I would say for the average person, let's work with the leptocor and my kidney bean extract and chromium and some other, you know, vitamins and minerals that help support our body's natural response. Because one of the things that can happen, and I see this a lot with um, melatonin and, and with sleep challenges, uh-huh. is that when we supplement with the hormone itself, mm-hmm. our body will stop producing the hormone on its own. Mm, exactly. Yes. So I'm a bigger fan of looking at nutrition and supplementation that are almost what we call secretagogues, where it, it supports the body's own production of what we need. Oh, I haven't heard somebody speak to secretagogues in such a long time. <laughs> That's great. And well, for, for the listeners that don't know, can you explain a little bit what a secretagogue is? Yeah. So essentially what it's doing is prompting the body's own systems to secrete or produce whatever the hormone is. So a lot of times we see a secretagogue around HGH or human growth hormone, Mm -hmm. but it can happen also with almost any hormone in the body. So if we give our body the vitamins and minerals and nutrients that it needs to naturally produce human growth hormone, melatonin, leptin, and all of these other, you know, hormones in our body that we often become insensitive to or desensitized against, right? Mm-hmm. Our body will produce it on its own. And your body will not overproduce a hormone on its own. And so it puts us in a much safer place than if we are supplementing with the hormone itself. I think that's very valuable information because you know, the the body does its best to maintain a state of balance at all times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, for example, when we're talking about estrogen and progesterone, it's not that the body is overproducing one or another, it's that it has become imbalanced. And so then we, you know, have coined the term, you know, estrogen dominance or what have you. So that's a great point that you bring up is that the body will never overdo anything unless of course we are feeding it chemicals right and or you know putting it in a situation where it's being forced to go down a certain pathway if you will exactly exactly i want to add two points just to the fat burning thing so that we make sure because one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about is adiponectin mm, yes so adiponectin is produced in fat cells, basically, or by fat cells. And it regulates the metabolism of fats and glucose, blood sugar. So adiponectin influences the body's response to insulin, influences the body's fat burning and fat storage. So um, it also has tremendous cardiovascular health benefits, anti-inflammatory effects in our cells, uh, our blood vessels, it's tremendously important, but it's another factor in this whole fat burning, fat storing conversation that's often overlooked. The last piece that I want to make sure we mention is muscle. So a lot of times, especially when we, when we hear about burning fat and exercise, a lot of times what we hear about is cardio Mm -hmm. and Cardio is important. We need to use our heart as a muscle. 
But the critical piece to understand is, and again, if you're taking notes, it's another one to write down, muscle dictates metabolism. So if we want to be burning more all the time when we're working, when we're relaxing on the couch, when we're sleeping, and when we're exercising, we need more muscle on the body. So focusing on building muscle, supporting your body to burn fuel properly, regularly, and to never be in fat storage mode and supporting our body's natural response to leptin and ghrelin and insulin, and of course, supporting adiponectin as well. Very, very important information. It's so valuable. I mean, I just, yes, thank you for touching on all these points. Yeah, I just, I want to make sure we get everybody all the good things before we move on. (laughs) I absolutely agree. Um, Well, that being said, is there, um, how can our listeners find you and, um, and do you do virtual consultations, et cetera? I do. So I work with my clients actually 100% remotely, whether that's one-on-one or groups, it's all remote. So uh, the best way to reach out to me is, uh, honestly, Instagram is super easy. My handle is at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. I respond to all the messages. So send me a message there. I always offer a complimentary consultation to start so that we can chat and get to know each other. And of course, so certainly follow me as well. Tons of information there. And then my podcast is also called Salad with a Side of Fries. So you I can mean- visit us there. Does it get better than that? Salad with a side of fries. I'll take two helpings of both, please. Exactly. (laughs) I love that title. Your podcast is wonderful. And one of the reasons I enjoy speaking with you so much and knowing you is because you have such incredibly useful information um, for anybody that's interested in health and wellness and specifically weight loss. So thank you so much for joining us, Jen. And listeners, reach out to Jen. She's a wealth of information. And remember, when you regenerate, there's a new you every day. Bye-bye, everyone.